it's uh, we're here, and, and I was thinking this week, and and you know, I talked last Sunday about spiritual warfare, and I realized that we are involved in a spiritual battle, and I I recognize that uh, it is uh, sometimes overwhelming, and I. Uh, we wanted to celebrate communion, and I we will do that toward the end of service uh, today and this morning and tonight. And um, it, but I really wanted to talk about why blood. And they sang the song about blood, and they sang about. Uh, the power of the cross and here we are uh, in 2022 and I know uh, when you think of blood and the properties of blood uh, I'm not a medical professional so we have nurses and we have people that work at the health department and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I realize that uh, the blood has uh, red uh, blood cells that are carry white blood cells and platelets and various things. And it's an amazing <coughs> ability to uh, uh, start clotting and to bring nutrients and oxygen and uh, the blood is powerful and I know just from uh, when uh, Caitlin was receiving a, a chemotherapy back many years ago as a child they, they, they said well we need to give this shot out in your garage or out where you don't mind if, the, uh, if a drop of it would happen to spill it'll eat through the carpet it'll eat through and etch the concrete and I'm like and you're putting it in my daughter's veins and the, the nurse was yeah but don't worry uh, you don't understand how powerful the blood is and I said well talk to me about that a little bit and uh, she was saying that this chemical that they were putting in her veins was uh uh, able to uh, bring healing to the body because the blood was so powerful that it did not eat through the arm or whatever. And so uh, when you talk about blood, I know uh, we uh, have sayings that we talk about. Blood is thicker than water. What does that mean? That your family relationship is uh, a stronger bond than the relationship with people that you don't know. And yet, uh, when we become part of the family of God, as I have felt and you have felt, I'm sure there are times when you feel closer to the family of God almost than you do biological family. But we still say blood is thicker than water. And, and there are our, our movies and there are shows and there are groups that have uh, gang initiations and exoduses that's blood in and blood out. In fact, you know, uh, uh, you know, we, we uh, cut your finger and, and uh, sign and put that where uh, you are now bound by your blood and you have to be willing to shed your blood and you have to be willing to uh, pay the, the price because you took a blood 
oath. And that blood oath uh, means that you have blood in, blood out. And they can at any point demand you to do something or demand you. And there's a whole movie genre about, you know, I, 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 I blood in, blood out. And uh, then we have, you know, we will say that somebody killed somebody in cold blood. What does that mean, in cold blood? that you were calloused and heartless and no feeling and you were, <clears throat> did not care and you just were in cold blood. In fact, uh, when veterans are uh, wounded in action, they are awarded <clears throat> a special medal and it's called what? Purple Heart. And it represents having shed blood, having given blood for the defense of your country. And I know uh, probably most of us uh, guys, maybe not the ladies, but most of us guys at some point were, you know, you're going to be blood brothers. And now sometimes we actually would prick a finger or a hand or a thumb or whatever. And other times, you know, you just uh, sort of a spit in your hand and you know that was boy we're bound we are now bound by an oath it's supposed to be forever we are in fact uh, you know they, we are have this powerful relationship and nobody can break it and so blood sustains life there's power in the blood we sing the song what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood they were singing today about the blood and you know unfortunately Christianity got the uh, notion or the reputation that it was a very bloody religion that it required blood and required a blood or oath which is untrue because of celebrating Passover or celebrating communion and because of what Jesus said folks accused it of being a cannibalistic sort of idea and that was not what was happening but when you look through the Old Testament and when you look through uh, the uh, Bible from the very beginning blood was involved in every covenant in every covenant as a matter of fact Hebrews the ninth chapter and the 18th verse says whereupon neither the first T testament and that word testament means covenant and that's interesting because we read a bible and it says the old testament and the new testament and so making a differentiation between what happened in the Old Testament and then what happens in the New Testament, in the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. And so when you look back at Adam and Eve, it says the First Testament was dedicated without blood. If you read in the Amplified Classic, it says, so even the Old First Covenant, God's will was not inaugurated and ratified and put in force without the shedding of blood. Well, how did that happen with Adam and Eve? They were in the garden. They hadn't sinned. They hadn't done anything wrong. They walked with God. That was the way God wanted it. But when they sinned, then they came to the Lord and said, we realize that we are not covered. The Lord had to do something to cover their nakedness. And what did he do? They had tried to sow fig leaves, but the Lord 
killed animals and he clothed them with skin and so blood had to be shed for the covering of Adam and Eve's sin. When you read on further and you read about Noah and Noah brought animals into sacrifice and he was, uh, the world after 2,000 years was terrible and so finally they came and they landed and uh, they came out of the ark and reading at the Genesis, the ninth chapter, the Lord uh, gives him some direction. And he talks about, there's the rainbow. And the rainbow is there that I will never again destroy the world by water. And But yet, in the midst of all of that, if you'll read carefully in Genesis, the ninth chapter, it says, every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you. So up until this time, they had been vegetarians for uh, some 2,000 years. Now the Lord says, you can eat anything. Even as the green herb have I given you all things, but flesh with the life, it uses the phrase with the life thereof, which is the blood. Now, imagine, that's however many years ago. That's 4,000 years ago this command was given that the life basically came from the body in the blood. And yet we have evidence in our own history of, you know, people treating people by putting on suckers to suck the blood out of them and they probably bled them dry. But 4,000 years ago, the Lord said the life is in the blood. And I know medical profession thought, well, it must be something bad in your blood. So we'll get rid of the bad blood. I don't know where they were going to put good blood in. But they would take out the bad blood, you know, and that's a whole nother phrase. You know, when you say, well, that person's got bad blood, that means their family. Oh, that's bad. They've got bad blood. Now, here he says, surely, and he goes on, he says, the flesh with the life, which is the blood ye shall not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it and at the hand of man and at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man shall his blood be shed because he was made in the image of God and, 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 the, and whenever he made man. So when you look at that first law basically was don't eat the blood when you uh, have, uh, you kill an animal. Now I know the Jews that, that carries all the way through into the New Testament and one of the laws was, you know, how, how to kill it, drain the blood. And yet I, I recognize that there are uh, people in Louisiana that eat boudin, which is blood sausage, and there are those that eat uh, a haggis in Scotland, and I recognize that there are those that eat blood. And I'm not saying, you know, if you've never had haggis or you've ever had boudin that you're terrible, but those were the laws that were given all the way back in Genesis under the Old Testament and, of course, in the New Testament. 
Testament, they authorized don't eat the blood. And when you go to Genesis, the 15th chapter, and you find that... Um, Abram, the Lord calls Abram and he says, I want you to come out and go to the Ur of the Chaldees. You remember what it said about Abram in the 15th chapter. He believed in the Lord and it counted to him for righteousness. Believing can help count for righteousness. And he said, I am the Lord that brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit. I, Lord God, how will I know that I shall inherit it? How will I know that I'm going to get this inheritance? And you remember what the Lord did? He said, I'll make a covenant with you, basically. I'll make a promise, an oath. And what was that covenant? I want you to get a cow, a heifer. I want you to get a goat. I want you to get a ram. I want you to get some birds. And you remember what he did? We don't read this story very often. It's in the 15th chapter. He cut that cow in half. That was, that's a job in itself. Amen. Amen. I mean, they didn't have a bandsaw that goes, zzz, you know. Laid one half on one side, one half on the other. He cut the goat in half. One half on one side, one on the other. Cut the uh, ram in half. Took, killed the turtle dove. Killed the pigeon. Took all of those. Divided them one piece against the other. What, what's going on? I'm making a covenant in blood. That's why I want you to realize that, man, this was not easy to divide this. I am, and he goes on down, and he says that, and it came to pass in the 15th chapter, in the 17th verse, that when the sun went down and it was dark, all of a sudden there was a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces in the same day that the Lord made a covenant and that phrase there, made a covenant, actually means he cut a covenant saying unto thy seed have I given this land unto the river of Egypt, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And so he sealed it with this covenant of blood. That was the first major covenant between God and man. I know Abraham, I know Noah, and, I, and yet here now uh, with Abram, he cuts a covenant. This is referred to in Jeremiah as, as God saying, it's my covenant. He said, I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant which have not performed the words of the covenant which they have made before me when they cut the calf in twain and passed in between the parts thereof. The princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, all of that which passed between the parts of the calf. I will even give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of them that seek their life and their dead bodies shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the earth. What was the Lord saying? This is so serious. I want you to go through the struggle of cutting that animal in half. 
I don't know if they had sharp, sharp knives. I don't know if they had stone knives. But I can promise you, even with a nice little saw, it's not easy to cut an animal in half. Anybody that's ever been deer hunting knows what I'm talking about. So here they struggled. They laid that out. Not one, but two, but three. And they passed through it saying, this is how serious. We are bound together. The Hebrew word karat means to cut or to cut the covenant. They absolutely, they, they made sure. So this blood oath was basically what they were saying. This is blood. Now, this didn't just happen then, but later on in Abram's life, whenever, you know, he was going to, uh, uh, in fact, uh, again, the Lord reestablished the covenant in Genesis, the 17th chapter. He says, when Abram was 90 years old and nine, he was 99, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me. Be thou perfect. Now here we are several years later after cutting this first covenant. Now the Lord comes back to Abram and then make another covenant. And he said, I will make my covenant between me and thee. will multiply thee. And Abram fell on his face. God talked to him. Says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. And he's 99 and still hasn't had a child. But the Lord said, I made a blood oath with you. And because I made a blood oath, it's going to come to pass. He said, you're going to be the father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. He changed his name. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And then he gets super personal with Abraham. And all our children are downstairs. But he says, the ninth verse God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant between thou and thy seed after thee for generations. This is my covenant that thou shalt keep between me and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. That cutting of the male was to symbolize God has made a covenant with us. Blood in, blood out. The Jews are very sincere about this covenant. And on the eighth day, they have a berith or whatever you want to call it that they go through where they take the male child and circumcise it in a ceremony that is conducted in the, usually in a synagogue. And it's supposed to be a covenant. Now the Lord said that to Abram, Abraham, and yet the Lord recognized that, you know what? It's just like we talked about the tassels or we talk about the prayer shawl. It, that is external, and it's not enough to just be external. In fact, 
all the way back when you look in, in even in Deuteronomy, the first, the Torah, not just the prophets that come later, but in the very Torah, in the first, well, the fifth book of the Torah, Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, it says, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thy, what? Heart. And the heart of thy seed to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Now, I know this happened, this book was written by Moses, and you know, Moses was guilty of not circumcising his own sons because his wife didn't want him to. You remember, those of you that remember the story, his wife didn't like that, didn't think that, that's, that's pretty gruesome, and not, we're not doing it. And the Lord appeared unto Moses and said, it's time for you to get part of the covenant. And when they were older and he circumcised them, and she was all upset with him, called him a bloody husband. Why blood? Because this was the external, but the Lord was trying to get on the all the way back in Deuteronomy, he said, I want to somehow cut your heart, your emotions, so that you will love me with everything. Jeremiah says it like this, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Take away the foreskins of your heart you men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. He also says it in the 30th chapter. He goes to several verses in Ezekiel that talk about circumcision of the heart that was already started in Deuteronomy. And yet Paul picked up on this when he wrote in Corinthians and he says, circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. External circumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of the Lord. Why? Because there was something about humbling yourself emotionally and opening your heart up to saying, Lord, I will obey. And it's easy to get, what's the saying, hard-hearted? It's easy to get offended. Not anybody in our church ever been offended, but I'm just saying, easy to be offended. Not anybody ever felt like, well, I can't believe you do. I can't believe you said, I can't believe, I can't. And I close myself up. Huh? I have no kindness, no mercy, no compassion. And I can sit and not be moved. And the Lord will not force his way on us. He, in fact, you want to go back and read this carefully. Go all the way back into Leviticus in the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third book. The Lord gave this to Moses. If they shall confess their iniquity. What is it? <laughs> Why confess your iniquity? Why say, Lord, I'm sorry? Because it humbles me. Yeah. 
Well, it's not what I did. Let me tell you what they did. I can confess everybody else's iniquities. Huh? I'm good at pointing out everybody else what they've done. But here's what the Lord said. If they will confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and their trespasses, which they have trespassed against me, And they also have walked contrary to me and that I also have walked contrary to them and have brought them to the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled. That's the key. Will I humble myself under the mighty hand of God? Well, I say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I've got to have you. Well, I will do it my way. And I will do it when and how and the way I, I. Then they accept the punishment of their iniquity. He said, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham will I remember and I will remember the land. What are you saying? Are you saying that we have to be circumcised in the flesh? No. As Paul said, circumcision means nothing. Romans, the second chapter, he in fact is very clear in Romans when he said he is not a Jew, which is a Jew outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart. What Jeremiah said, what Deuteronomy said, what Leviticus said and in the spirit notice that next phrase in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God that's why Isaiah could write thus saith the high and lofty one oh that inhabits eternity whose name is holy I dwell in a high and holy place but I also dwell with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit reviving the spirit of the humble to revive the spirit of the contrite ones. What are you saying? I'm telling you that when you see the blood, when you get into a blood covenant, you have to be willing to submit yourself and say, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll be a part. I want to be a part. I need you, Lord. You will never have a blood covenant with God and do it your way. It's the antithesis of why blood. That's what the blood covenant was all about. You know, it's because if we're blood brothers, at any moment I can say, I need you to, huh? They got a whole whole set of, you know, we're connected. The genre, we're blood. It's your blood. We're family. So 
when you when you think in terms of humbling ourselves, and, and that's why uh, when you go back and you look, whenever they came out of Egypt, whenever the Lord delivered them out of Egypt, how did he do it? He had Passover. He had them kill a lamb. He had them put blood on the doorpost on the top. And he said, when, you, when I see the blood, what's going to happen? I will pass over you. And so it should not come as any big surprise when Jesus took his disciples. The last supper that they celebrated together was Passover. It symbolized blood. It symbolized the blood covenant. It symbolized that sense of we are now bound by a blood covenant to God. That's when originally how it came in the Old Testament and Jesus stood in the midst of his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, take, eat, this is my body. All of a sudden he made a whole switch. It's not about the blood of bulls and of goats. And then he said, he took the cup and he gave thanks, the juice, and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, the new testament. That's why all of a sudden when you realize which is shed for many for the remission of your sins. That's why when Paul was writing about the Lord's Supper, he basically said it like this. He said, for I have received of the Lord that which I have delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new testament, is the new covenant in my blood, thus do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup and when he supped, he said, this cup is the new testament, the new covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. That went all the way back to a prophecy 2,000 years before. In the book of Genesis, the 49th chapter, when Jacob called his sons together and began to prophesy over them. And he came to Judah and he said, the scepter is not going to depart from Judah nor the lawgiver from his feet until Shiloh, until the Messiah has come. And he says, and unto him, unto him, unto Shiloh, people are going to gather a people. Oh, and I, I thought as Brother Vishnawatha, 
Brother Bala and others that have come from all parts of the world, India, Sri Lanka. I got a text from, from Sister uh, Glover from Malaysia. She was in the Kuala Lumpur airport, texted me. I'm in quarantine, Pastor. I appreciate your prayer. All over the world shall be a gathering of people together, binding his full unto the vine. Oh, he started prophesying. Yet Judah didn't even know what he was saying, but he's going to ride a donkey and it's going to be bound to a vine. His ass is colt unto the choice vine. Washed his garments in wine. Guess what? They weren't washed in wine. They were washed in the blood, but we take the juice as symbolic of the wine and his clothes in the blood of of grapes all the way back 2,000 years before Jesus came. Yes. And Jesus said, this is my body. This is my blood. We're not eating the real, actual blood of Jesus. It's symbolic. We're not eating the real body of Jesus. It's symbolic. I know some religions believe that it actually turns into the body. No, we don't believe that. It turns into the blood. We don't believe that. It's symbolic. So what we do today is we remember the blood covenant. Yes. You know how strong that is? Blood in, blood out. No matter where you are, you can call on your blood covenant partner. You watch a movie and you see somebody have to fulfill their blood covenant, you think, I've got a partner that's for real. Will not leave me. Not forsake me. We blood in and we... We're not going to blood out until we reach our heavenly shores. That's how powerful the blood is. So we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And if you want to join us, you're welcome to. If you don't want to come, you can stay. We'll pass out. We have individual cups. If you want to stand, we're going to stand. We're going to pray for one another. Let's stand right now. And then we're going to, those of you that want to come to the front can. Those of you that want us to serve you, we can. But you got to understand why blood? Why blood? Because this started all the way back for Adam and Eve in blood. And then Abram. Noah, Abram. The sacrifices. And I didn't even go through all of the blood that was shed on the tabernacle and on the veil and all of that. Bloody, 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 bloody. Why? I want you to see how binding, how powerful, how amazing. The next slide, sorry. Ephesians, the second chapter, says it like this. That at the time you were without Christ, Ephesians 2, 13 through 18, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers.
strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood. The blood is not necessary to defeat the devil. The Lord's already defeated the devil. The blood was necessary to put a covenant with me so I could be in harmony with him. For he is our peace. Just a few weeks ago, we told the story of the shepherds hearing peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Paul said, the blood is what broke down that middle wall of petition, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances to make in himself of twain one so that somehow he might reconcile the world. both to God in the body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, came out and preached peace to you who were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we have access by one spirit. What this symbolizes, and there's two little things you can open. The top one has the wafer in it. And then the bottom one opens it up for the juice. But there, this symbolizes the fact that guess what? I can get into the presence of Almighty God. And he's my blood brother. Oh, hallelujah. There's a little clear thing. If you pull that back, you can then take out the wafer and hold it in your hand. And you can pull the other one back. Get ready. Say, Pastor, why, why do we do this? Because the night that Jesus went to Calvary, he said, this right here is what's going to make us one. We're blood brothers now. We're blood brothers when we do this. And as often as we do it, we remember what he's done for us. Let's pray. Pray for ourselves. Pray for each other. Let's pray right now in the name that's above every day. I pray, Lord, you will bless us. I pray you will bless our church. I know our nation is going through an overwhelming surge of coronavirus and Omicron and there are no answers and the answer is that we have no answers and the economy and inflation and you name it all that's going on you see Lord and you're our blood brother blood in you were willing to shed your blood for me before I was even born you were willing to make a covenant with me Lord before I ever even came into existence what a privilege it is 
what a privilege it is to feel your spirit. I have access. The petition was broken by the blood. I can step into the holy of holies by the precious blood of Jesus. That's why this is so important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may partake. Why blood? That precious blood. Hallelujah. You don't think God is serious about this? He's very serious about it. This is very important to him. Let's just thank him for a moment.